You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. And this camp was for people with disabilities. And it wasn't just people in wheelchairs, but any kind of disability, whether it was physical disabilities or emotional or mental or, or whatever disabilities. And it was an amazing camp. It was an awesome mission trip. Uh, this camp, I didn't know what to expect. When we got there, they had a whole day of training ahead of time for all the volunteers. And, and I thought, that seems like a ton of training, but, but we needed it. And we got there and they had a parade as the, the campers would, would arrive. And, and it was, uh, it was an incredible, incredible week. The campers were anyone with a, a disability of some sort. We had small children, uh, even, even infants, up to adults. When uh, they had different reasons, whether they were born with that disability or maybe they had a stroke or, or something that would cause a disability later on in life, there was a lot of different reasons. But then the cool part about this camp, it wasn't just for them, it was for their families. That all the siblings uh, of this child got to go to camp and the parents were there and sometimes it was just someone disabled and their spouse was there or some sort of caregiver and so it was this camp for the whole family. And it was amazing. It was uh, uh, unlike any other mission trip I've ever been on. We had this awesome team. We had a team of 15 people that, that went. And like I said, when, when we got together to go, we had no clue what it would in store. I didn't know how much it would impact us. And I didn't know how much it would change who I am, who, how I saw things. But I left completely different. It was a, a great trip that we had several different people. One of the people was Jeremy. Jeremy Hawley uh, is here. Uh, he went on the trip with us, and he took his week, and he, he, we didn't know what he'd be doing, and he got there, and we get jobs the, the first night. This is a big reveal of what your job is going to be. And he got, and one of his jobs was to be arts and crafts. And so he's not an art teacher by any means, and he said, I don't know what this is going to be like, and how am I going to do art with people that are, are disabled that can't do it? And so it was neat when, he shares the story that uh, they are building birdhouses, and, and every camper, uh, in every disabled camper has a, a partner with them. And so there was times where they couldn't hammer or they couldn't do a certain thing, and their partner would do it. And it got to the day that it was time to paint the birdhouses. And there was one little boy that was there, and he couldn't move his arms. And, and Jeremy wondered, how's he going to paint? And his, and his uh, helper dipped the paintbrush in the paint, and the little boy said he wanted red, dips it in the red, and then puts the other end in the little little boy's mouth, and he was able to paint with his mouth the birdhouse. It was a beautiful camp to see that, to see uh, this opportunity. The, one of the cool parts about the camp is you were able to take your whole family. And so anyone under 12 got to just be a normal camper, got to go and camp alongside. And so I took my family and my two youngest uh, were campers there. And Henry and Zinni got to spend time with other kids. And if you were 12 and older, you were a helper and you, you helped at the camp. And Henry goes, and afterwards, a couple weeks after, I was talking to Henry. I said, hey, uh, you know, did anything stand out? Was anyone different from you at camp? Because I wanted to see if what, what he learned about this at camp. And he said, well, there's one little boy. This little boy had, had no feet. And I said, yeah, I know that little boy. I had talked with his dad. I was on a team working with his dad, and his dad shared with me that several years ago, there was a tragic lawn mowing accident that took this able-bodied boy, both his feet. And so there's a little seven-year-old boy, and, and I asked Henry, I said, well, was he any different from you? And he said, yeah, he was way better at Gaga Ball than I was. And so it was so neat to see that Henry learned that this little boy without any feet was no different than him. 
he talked to me about the little boy. He said, I asked him what happened to his feet. And so I said, Henry, you can't ask that. And he said, that's okay. He told me a tiger ate him. And I was like, oh, all right. And he said, but dad, I, I heard someone else ask him the next day and he told that kid a shark ate his feet. So I don't really think it was a tiger. And I was like, I don't think so either, buddy. But it was an amazing camp to see my little boy to play gaga ball with another little boy without feet and to see that they're the same, that Henry got that lesson. But it was also an incredible week for all of us. I've never had a, a trip with so many adults that, uh, or so many times that as the adults on the trip that we were moved and, and our hearts were broken and we were driven to tears. We had several people on our team that were just crying at different times. And, and I shared that with another team leader. Um, and he, I said, yeah, like a lot of people are just crying on my team. And he said, have you broken down and cried yet? I said, no. And he said, well, when you do, come see me. Uh, you can cry on my shoulder. I was like, thanks, man. And so like two days later, we were in the restroom uh, waiting in line for the urinal. And I told him, I was like, now's the time. And he's like, what? I said, now's the time I need to talk and cry on your shoulder. He's like, not, not here. And I was like, all right. And so I didn't. But, um, but it was an incredible week, one that just changed us. I got a couple, two more pictures I want to show you. This is a picture of us playing softball. I walked by and they had a softball game going and this, this lady in a wheelchair, she only hit it a couple inches, but they took her around yeah, all the bases and she hit a home run. There's this other kid there that he was a, he was a rock star of the, of the camp. Yeah, everyone knew him. He, got, he was never shy. He got up on stage several times, even when the speakers are talking. And he was a fun kid, but he hit a home run, something he would never do at any other camp. I, I got a video to show you of it. No other time in his life would he have got to hit a home run. That's what this camp was about. And it was a beautiful camp, and it, and it, it touched many of us. And, and I'll be honest, it, it changed me, changed my heart. I've got a good chance to go on a lot of different mission trips. I love missions, and I've done many mission trips. I've, I've baptized a gypsy in the Czech Republic. I've uh, held an AIDS patient in Zimbabwe. I even helped neuter a dog in Costa Rica once. Uh, that's a whole different story. But there's all kinds of crazy stuff I've got to do. But I've never been as changed as I was after this week. To see the, maybe the prejudices that I had, to see the views that I might have been carrying, to uh, spend time with so many people that just were wanting to be loved and to love each other, wanting to love God. And so this morning we finished Ephesians and we're headed into Advent and so we have this one week and, and I wanted to share uh, something that we learned from this camp and, and from this message and, and something that I think is near and dear in the heart of discovery is we got two awesome events coming up that, that go alongside this idea of focusing on those that are disabled, those that might be in a wheelchair of, of some sort, that those that are created all of us in God's image. Uh, the, world, uh, the, the World Health Organization says that there's an estimated uh, 10 to 11% uh, of the world's population is disabled in some sort. That's 600 million people. 
If those people all came together, it'd be the third largest country in the world, and yet, it, and it would be the largest, it would have the highest rate of homelessness, joblessness, divorce, abuse, and suicide. This is a group that's often overlooked, whether it's physical disabilities or, or emotional disabilities or mental disabilities. This is a group that's often overlooked and set aside. A group that people don't want to deal with, a group that, uh, that they don't make leeway for them to be able to thrive and survive, even in churches. And so this morning we're going to look at what would Jesus say? What would Jesus do? And how could we be that Jesus to this group of people and to each other, to everyone we encounter? If you have your Bibles, open it to Mark chapter 2. We'll, we bring it up on your app. We'll also have it up on the screen. There's a story uh, that many of you might be familiar with about four guys that carry their friend to come see Jesus. This story is in Mark. It's in Luke. It's a great story. We, the setting of the story is we're in a home. This is Peter's home in Caesarea Philippi. And this is a, a home that Peter uh, has been living in and Jesus is in there teaching. The crowds have come and they're packed in. Many people want to see the miracle worker. Many people want to hear what he has to say. The, there's so many people in there that you can hardly move shoulder to shoulder. The crowd is flowing outside of the house onto the, onto the street where people are just trying to listen. What did he say? Can you relay? What, what's he saying in there? What's going on? Has he done anything amazing? What's happening? And so you, the whispers are going and everyone wants to hear, wants to see Jesus. And we come into the story. Mark chapter 2, verse 3. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. This man, this paralyzed man, we don't know much about him. We obviously don't know his background. We don't know if he is born paralyzed, and, and this is the only state that he's ever known. Or perhaps there was a, a tragic accident, a stroke, something that left him unable to move. We don't know, maybe he was born this way and this is the only world he's known. Maybe he used to have a job and he has a wife and kids and, and something happened, a stroke happened, and now he can't provide, he can't, he can't care for them, he can't even put his arms around his wife and hold her. This is now his life. The only way that he can make any kind of money is to be dragged and dropped off at the city gate where he begs every day and where people ignore him where people intentionally walk us to the other side when he's sitting over here, or they enter the city gate on this side where they begin to stir up a conversation just so they don't have to look at him. They've ignored him, except for these four friends. We don't know why that they're willing to carry him. Maybe they're relatives, maybe they're, they're close friends, maybe they're his old co-workers, but they say they hear that there's this miracle worker and we're going to take him to Jesus. And so they pick him up on a mat and they carry him, each one holding a corner. Verse 4, chapter 2 says, Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was laying on. The houses at that time were right next to each other, almost sharing a, a common wall. So you can just picture, probably they couldn't get in, the crowd was so thick, and so they go up in the neighbor's house, they uh, ascend the stairs, get on the roof of that home, and then they come over, step across, and now they're on the roof above Jesus. The crowd is there, and Jesus is standing, teaching and, and sharing, and all of a sudden dust starts to fall down. And grass is falling and dirt's falling through. And then sunlight comes as a beam when a hole is finally broken through. They, everyone looks up. I'm sure Jesus stops teaching and people are trying to figure out what's going on. And they see the hole quickly get bigger and bigger. And then four guys peer in. Hey, Jesus, I got someone to show you. 
And they reach over and they place the man down at Jesus' feet. Verse 5 says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Oh, can you imagine that? Son, your sins are forgiven. As I was a little reading that story, to be honest, I was thinking, what if I was one of the friends? I'm up on the roof and, and we brought him to be healed. I don't know, maybe I, I might even be a little disappointed. Be like, seriously, Jesus? This guy just wants to provide for his family. We did all this. We, we dug a hole in the ceiling. We're probably going to have to pay for that. Well, can't you heal him? Son, your sins are forgiven. Who knows what the paralyzed man is thinking? Perhaps he's thinking that's what I needed. Perhaps he's thinking I wish I was healed instead. But we know the religious leaders there. They were there not to, to learn from Jesus, but to criticize him, to judge him, to look for areas that he was making a mistake. And we know what they're thinking. They're, they're angry. Only God can forgive sins. Who does this guy think he is? But what they're missing is Jesus is God. They're missing. They're in the presence of the Lord Almighty. They're in the presence of the one that created the sun and the moon and the stars. God can forgive sins and that is who Jesus is. And I think to myself, how many times do I miss when I'm in the presence of Jesus? When I'm in the presence of God? How many times do I get so caught up in, in my life and in the things that I'm doing that I miss the presence of God? Times at this camp where I was focused more on my job as the sound tech guy that I missed out on opportunities to see Jesus shine through one of the participants in the talent show. That I miss and I'm in the presence of God. Perhaps you've done that as well. And so you got these Pharisees that are missing out on the fact that they're in the presence of the Lord and they're angry and they begin to, and they begin to communicate to each other how wrong this is. It says in verse 6, Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knows what they're thinking. It says immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? And then some text it says, why are you thinking these evil things? Jesus turns to them and says, which is easier? To say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Honestly, both of those sentences are probably just as easy to say. I could say that to anybody. Your sins are forgiven. Get up and walk. But only one of them would they be able to prove right then and there. Right? Only one of them would they be able to say, well, see, the man still can't get up and walk. And so Jesus says, which one is easier to say? Probably your sins are forgiven. Because we can't prove that. But Jesus wants to show that the man's sins are forgiven. And so he's going to heal him as well. It says that, verse 10 says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he turns to the man and he says, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. At this moment, the man feels the power of Jesus in his body, and he begins to stand. It says he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. Imagine this man, we don't know, maybe he's never been able to walk. And so he stands on wobbly legs, not knowing quite how to do this. And then he bends over, and imagine that moment that he's rolling up the mat, 
This mat that he's had to sit on all the time. This mat that's been filthy. This mat that's covered in probably people spit as they spit on him as they walk away. Spitting on the poor crippled beggar. And he picks up the mat. And this mat that has been carrying him for so long, he is now carrying. And the crowd parts ways and he walks out in full view. Healed and forgiven. And says, he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I love that passage. They're praising God, saying they've never seen anything like this. But they have seen Jesus do miracles. In fact, a very similar miracle in Mark chapter 1. So what they're saying is not that they've never seen him do anything like this. Raising this crippled man to be able to stand. What they've never seen is someone forgive sins. To restore the soul to make the man whole. This is a story of Jesus with a disabled person. So often when we do interact with someone with disabilities, we, we might pity them or, or feel bad for them. And, and that's not what they're looking for. That's not what Jesus did. In fact, he didn't even address the, the disability at all at first. His focus was on the man's soul. His focus was on who he was. He was a child created in the image of God. Genesis 1:27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. It doesn't say God created mankind to, to be able to walk. The crippled man was created in God's image. It doesn't say mankind was created to be able to speak fluently. Those that are nonverbal are created in God's image. It doesn't mean, doesn't say God created people that are perfect, people that are able to process, people that are able to physically do amazing things. No, no. All of us are creating God's image. You and me and the person in the wheelchair and the person on the mat, the person with uh, Down syndrome, the person with autism, the person with multiple sclerosis, the person who suffered from a stroke, and the person with whatever ailment is created in God's image. In the flesh. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus came down in the flesh. It doesn't say that God came in an audible voice alone, just reaching those that were able to speak. That's not the way to, that he would relate to all mankind. It wasn't that he came in, in writing that he'd just be able to process and relate to all mankind for those that can read and, and process mentally. No, no, he came in the flesh. What each of us has. Rather, whatever disability you have, you're created in God's image. God doesn't see that disability. He sees his son, his daughter, his child. Every person is made in God's image made to be loved. As we just went through the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 2 says that we are God's masterpiece created to do good works through him, through Christ Jesus. Every person is God's masterpiece created to do good works. And so, so often when we might see a disability, when we see the lady in the wheelchair, when we see the crippled man when we see someone with a mental disability, we, we maybe see their shortcomings and see what they can't do instead of seeing what they can. 
that we are created to do good works, that we are God's masterpiece. Instead of seeing that person on the crippled mat or in the wheelchair, to see that this is a masterpiece of God created to do good works, how can we help them to do those good works? How can they can bring glory to the Lord? How can we do this together as one body? And when we see a little boy painting with a, a toothbrush or with a paintbrush in his teeth, to be able to see that he can do great things. Whenever people are looking for Jesus, they hear Jesus is in town, a surefire way to find him would be to go where the outcasts are. To go where those that have been set aside, those that have been kicked out of society, those that have been looked down upon, Jesus would be there. He would be there reaching out. He would be there caring for them. But the reality is, something that I saw at this camp is that's all of us. And Catherine Wolf was in the wheelchair. She's the leader of this camp. And, and like I said, I think I've shared that she had a stroke. And shortly after her children were born, and she had a stroke. And it permanently put her in a wheelchair. And, and she can't talk very easily. And, and their entire world has changed. But she shares, my disability, you can see. You can see my wheelchair everywhere I go. But something that stood out so much to me, she shares, everyone here has their own wheelchair. We all have our own disability. We all have our own things that we're dealing with. We all have our own struggles. We all have our own, our own situation that could either pull us away from God or that we can bring, draw closer to him. She says, my wheelchair is easy to see, but we all have a wheelchair. And so she talked about that. For some, for that little boy, his disability is two missing feet. For some, it might, be, uh, it might be having a stroke. For some, it might be autism. It might be different avenues. But for some, it's not even anything visible like that. For some here in this room, our wheelchair, and I say ours, is something different. Our wheelchair might be uh, debilitating pain from the past, physical or emotional pain that we just can't seem to get over. For some of us, it might be a horrible self-view that we're critical and, and we fluff it off with jokes, but we think so poorly of ourselves. For some, it's, it's a prejudice that we're unwilling to break and to get over. For some, our wheelchair might be a, a short fuse, quick to anger. For some, it, a wheelchair might be an addiction. For some, it might be debt that you can't seem to get out of, but you just keep growing because you can't stop buying things. For some, our wheelchair is different for each one of us. But I'll be honest, each one of us has a wheelchair. For Catherine, it's really easy to see. But I have one, you have one. And Jesus would go to those and the outcasts, those that are struggling, those that are dealing with something, those in the wheelchair. Jesus would come to you and me. There's a Greek word that's used in the New Testament, and it's interesting. It's translated two different ways based on the situation. When we see the story of the woman that is bleeding, right? She comes to Jesus, and she's been bleeding for, many, for 12 years, and she comes to Jesus, and she grabs onto the hem of his garment, and he stops, and he says, power has left me, and everyone turns, and they're like, everyone's touching you, but he knows that the one person touched out in faith, and she confesses that it was her, and he says to her, because of your faith, you have been healed. This Greek word is translated as Healed. But then we have the same word used in a different story. There's a woman that loves Jesus and has great faith. 
And she comes to him in the banquet, and she's crying, and tears are rolling down her cheeks, and she pours out perfume, and she wipes his feet clean with her tears, and with the perfume, she wipes it with her hair. And Jesus reaches out to the woman and says, your faith, because of your faith, you have been saved. The same word is interchangeable, healed and saved. And, and I wonder if that's not the case throughout time. And so often we look for healing, that we look for healing from a disability or, or from, from a tragedy, from a long-term illness or, or something that we're looking for healing, but maybe we need to be looking for salvation. Maybe that's where our focus needs to be, is that we are saved. That when we look at this time of Advent that Jesus came and the Bible says that he came to save the lost, maybe he came to heal us as well, to heal and to save that we are all in a wheelchair and that we all need to be healed. We all need to be saved. Jesus tells a story uh, to believers, to Christians like you and me. He tells a story that some of us are, are going to be separated. The sheeps and the goats and says that some of us are going to go to the kingdom of heaven and, and some are not. And, and you wonder, well, who are the people that are going? And he says, then, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes, then you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. You did these for the least of these. You did this for me. As we look at that passage, the, these ministries that they were doing, it wasn't an instant healing, right? For that man, the crippled man, he was healed instantly. But for Catherine, she's still in a wheelchair. But these ministries are ones that continue on. That they continue on to love the prisoner. That we continue on to love those that are naked, to clothe them, to, to give them drinks to those that are thirsty. That the Bible talks about caring for the widows and the orphans. That this ministry continues on because we see that these people, the naked, the, the, the prisoner, the thirsty, the hungry, are children of God. That we would see the image of God in each one of those individuals. That we wouldn't just see a prisoner, but we would see someone that is the image of God, that we would see this as a child of the Lord, and we want to love on them and care for them. And in doing so, that person would see God shining through us. And so this morning, as, as we close out, I want us to think about that, that thought that each one of us is created in God's image. And so those people that might be in a wheelchair, those people that, as the camp talked about, that are disabled, are created in the image of God. Because I can't talked about also those that are typically abled, as they called it, are created in the image of God as well. We all have our own wheelchair, but we all have an opportunity to be God's light. We all have the opportunity to, to shine as a masterpiece, pointing people to the Lord Jesus that says we are created to do good works through him, that we are created to point others to God, that we are created to love on the prisoner, the thirsty, the hungry, and the naked, to care for the widows and orphans, to be able to care for the person in the wheelchair, or maybe that coworker that's dealing with their own wheelchair is this anger, is life has given them a whole bunch of hard things, and they are taking it out on you day after day, and that it's an opportunity to see them as a child of God, and to be able to be the shining light of God to that coworker, to care for that student that somehow seems to pick on you day after day, to see that that student is a child of God, 
and they're dealing with their own wheelchair, their own disability, and that we have opportunity to share the love of God. And we have this opportunity to be able to do this. And so this is something that I believe our church has done well when you look at Sent to Serve, that we find opportunities. But we also have a couple of cool ways coming up that I want to share with you. And then, and then one in the, uh, next summer, one coming up in, the, in February, to be able to love on those that are created in God's image and to be God's love to them. We're going back to camp, to Hope Hills Camp, the third week of July. You might be thinking to yourself, hey, what should I do the third week of July? I know, go, go sit in the, in the forest of Alabama, right? I know that's the first thing you guys are all thinking. It should be comfortable. It'll be beautiful. No, it's not. Um, I'll tell you right now, we sweat like crazy. Um, there's a lot of chafing going on. It's bad news. But, uh, but it was an incredible camp. It was awesome. And I would love for our entire church to go and be part of this. That if you have a family, bring your family. That your kids would be able to say, see that that kid with no feet, just like me. That if you don't have a family, that if you can take a week, yeah, it might take your part of your vacation time. It might even mean you don't go to Disneyland this year. But it's worth it. You will be changed. And you will be impacting these kids. But then we have another opportunity, one that I'm so excited about. It's called Night to Shine. The Tim Tebow Foundation, he's this guy that played football, and he started this foundation and this idea of Night to Shine. It's a prom for those that are of special needs. It's a prom for those that probably never got to go to prom themselves. It's a prom for, for those that were never elected and not even considered as prom king or queen. And so we have this night, and it's an amazing event. We turn this place into a, a, into a prom ballroom, and we got disco ball, and, and it's a party going on. And we have about 100 people from the community that are disabled, that is from kids to adults that for various reasons come that never got to go to prom, never got to be king or queen. And at the end of the night, we get to crown all of them king and queen. It's a beautiful night, a, a celebration. It's an exciting thing. It's something that we, we used to do and then COVID hit, so we haven't got to do here in our building for the past two years. So there's a lot of you that maybe are new to Discovery that I want to tell you, this is amazing. Mark your calendars now. It's February 10th. We have signups already. has gone live this morning. Uh, you can sign up on the app or uh, on our website to be able to mark it, to know that you're going, to let us know because we have a hundred of these participants, hundreds of these guests, and to do that, we need about 150, 200 volunteers to put this on. But it is amazing. It is the time that will bring tears to your eyes. You're going to smile all night long. We have a party going on in here, dancing. We, we have karaoke. We got carriage rides, tons of food, and just laughter. To see these men and women, these boys and girls, that oh, have always been set aside. That everyone would walk on the other side of the city gate and avoid them. That they're the star of the show. And we put crowns on them and celebrate them as the king and the queen. Jessney put together a video a couple years ago, the last time we got to do it. And, and so we're, we're going to show it again. And she sent it to me. And uh, earlier this week, I was at McDonald's working on the message. And I got the video that came through. And so I watched it. And I started crying. And there's this construction worker, two tables over, this, this big dude just all by himself. And he's looking at me kind of quizzically like, why is he crying? And I was like, oh, we're doing this prom. And it's beautiful. And then I was like, I don't need to offend myself to this guy. And so I just stopped talking. And, but it's a beautiful thing. If you were there you'll probably cry with me 
because you wouldn't see the faces. You'll remember that, that young lady when she came down the red carpet. You'll remember that guy that loved to dance with everybody. You'll remember the karaoke room where they were belting it out, singing all the wrong words at the wrong tune. Those are my people. That's how I sing. And so I spent time in karaoke because I can't sing either. And it was amazing for us to be able to love on others, to be able to love on those created in God's image as we are too, shining God's image to all of them. So if you will, watch this video with me.